Welcome to the PreparedX podcast, your complete source for crisis, emergency, business continuity and security preparedness interviews, news, and much more. Now, your host, he creates chaos for a living, Rob Burton. Hello, and welcome to episode 114 of the PreparedX podcast. I am your host, Rob Burton. And uh, in this episode, uh, it's brought to you by First Look, a customized simulation exercise service from PreparedX. We design it, you deliver it. See more at preparedx.com slash first look. Well, today I am joined uh, by Donna Speckard. Speckard, sorry. Hi, Donna. Hello. And um, we're excited to have Donna. It took us a little while to get Donna on here, but um, we'll uh, we'll get going here shortly. And Donna, I know you work over as a senior risk and resilience lead at uh, Fannie Mae. So um, we'd love to hear a little bit more about your career so far, if you could, please. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I consider myself a resilience professional. I like to use that term uh, because I feel like my skill set encompasses, you know, resilience almost full spectrum from business continuity to disaster recovery to doing exercise planning and development. Um, I've written more after action reports than I care to list (laughs) (laughs) well into the six digits. Um, Unfortunately, right? Not six digits. Three digits, three digits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, if it's six digits, I'm, I'm done. I need yeah. to retire. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I've done third party risk before. I'm here at Fannie Mae during third party risk now. We'll, we'll talk, I guess, a little bit about what that means. I've done global intelligence and crisis management, both for, for a, multiple government entities, a couple state entities, some international governments. So I kind of do a little bit of everything. Isn't that isn't that our role? Yeah, it really case? is. And uh, you know the the uh, speakers we've had and the you know guests we've had before is all, all seem to have that experience where you know they may have started in one area, right, in terms of business continuity, or they may have started somewhere else within the organization, and then you know it's oh a crisis management popped up as a focus point. It's over to you, or you know resiliency now is uh, you know the the hot the hot topic so to speak. So. Um, um, you know, go figure that out, right? So, yeah, so that's great to have you. And uh, and again, uh, thanks for taking the time out of your busy day to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Well, I think, you know, you mentioned the uh, third-party risk. Let's jump right in there. Um, you know, I think most of our listeners generally understand what that is. But, you know, from, from your perspective, can you, you know, kind of go into a little bit more detail and explain what third-party risk means? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I hate that it's called third party risk because really it includes fourth parties as well in a lot of organizations and nth party, right? Yes. So first we have to understand what third party is, which, you know, in my mind, it's the entities that a company does business with. So those are your vendors, your suppliers, your partners, your contractors uh, and service providers. And they would have access to your internal company and or customer external um, data as well as systems, processes, and what you would consider privileged information. Many companies, you know, outsource some of their core functions. um, And this is because we get uh, better cost savings when we do that. So I think of call centers in tech support when I think about outsourcing. But there's other ways, of course, that we would outsource um, information as well. Um, Third party includes, you know, 
relationships that we have with these companies, but also like where they're located, if they're offshoring, you know, these things are so important. So when you say third party risk, it encompasses so much. Sure. Uh, so it's really a big job. And so the risk itself refers to the likelihood that your business might experience a disruption or some type of adverse event, such as a data breach or anything that could happen that would cause um, a service disruption on, on your side to customers mm-hmm. and or a reputational damage yep. or a financial uh, risk as well. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. And I really like how you started off by saying it's it's really, you know, the third party is just the entry point, right? Is this beyond yeah. that? And I remember working early on um, in the in the days when we started off doing exercises for for a large insurance brand uh, here in America, and um, we were talking about third parties, you know, at the time, and they said, well, we, you know, we, we have got, you know, I think they had about eight layers between them, obviously, you know, the, the next, uh, you know, gov- uh, the next contractor, and then beyond that, those other contractors that relied on other contractors right so it's you know exactly. it became this spider's web um on this network of you know ultimately what uh, is risk and uh, do we know what the fourth tier and fifth tier is up to in terms of the support and how they would support us if uh, if something was to go wrong so that's a great explanation there thank you yeah it's always a delicate balancing act and a real challenge because usually you have a small third party uh, program that's you know very smallly resourced. Um, right. At Fannie Mae, we have over six thousand active suppliers that wow. um, we, we engage with, <laughs> and you can imagine if we had to do an end to end, you yeah. know, from the supplier A or third party all the way through for each one, it would be very difficult yes, because we right. just don't have that many people and hours in the day. Right. So it's really important to know how to rank and stack those. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously you attack it as, as, you know, who are your critical vendors first right. and then you hear them based on the criticality and impact to your business. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, totally. Um, okay. M- moving on then, um, you know, we, we're talking about risk here, talking about those vendors. What are some of the common risks associated with third parties you know based on your experience or what's going on in the marketplace last at the moment of course you know there's probably more than three but uh, um but you know what are the top three in your eyes what you're seeing at the moment or from your you know from your previous experience yeah that's like you know can you take this mountain and down find this needle in a haystack right um i'd have to say you know honestly i guess the top one would be what we were just talking about right our third parties third party um and how do you get information about that so i talked about sort of prioritizing your third parties and the impact to your business and making sure that they disclose who is going to be providing services to you through them, Mm -hmm. who's going to have access to your data through that third party. And then um, really looking right down to the nth party level. Well, it's really hard to do that. You know, I can say that, but it's really hard to do that because you have a contract with the third party, not the fourth party, not the nth party. And, so you have to find creative ways to get an idea of what that risk like might look like. One of the ways is you can write language into your contract uh, that it kind of requires the third party to provide documentation or evidence that they have a strong you know, supplier risk management vetting process. Mm-hmm. So you can get an idea of what questions they're asking and what they're looking for. 
Um, another way you could do it is there are subscription services uh, such as Dun & Bradstreet and other companies like that that can do kind of a cursory look um, down to the financial statements on some of these companies. Yep. So if you have the name and you're required the third party to disclose um, who's going to be touching your data or, or providing some level of service to you, then you can kind of, um, then you have the names of, you know, those companies and then you can plug them into one of these, you know, subscription services and get at least some level of detail. Sure. Uh, I think that's kind of the way we're going. And I know regulators are starting to look at that a lot harder, um, especially after COVID. So that's risk one. Risk two would be an emphasis on strategic initiatives involving ESG, environmental, social, and governance. Um, as we look at a more diverse supplier base, mm -hmm. not all companies that we desire to do business with are going to have a robust risk program. And so how do you take these mom and pop companies that you know don't have the level of defense or the level of program like an Amazon Web Service would. Sure. Um, but but they can still be they can still compete in the marketplace and do business with a company like Fannie Mae. You know, it's mm -hmm. very important for us to do to have diverse suppliers um, do business with us. So again, it's about you know creative um, thinking outside the box on what you would accept as evidence and how you can partner and work with that small business to, you know, either mentor them to get them to a good level of uh, having risk uh, protocols in place. Mm -hmm. uh, and also we won't be willing to accept documents outside of like a SOC 2 or a SOC 1 or, sure. you know, these things we think of when we think of, um, you know, Compliance. how secure the technology. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, and the last one really is a mixed bag, right? Uh, it could be anywhere from economic volatility to artificial intelligence. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. yeah. That's, a whole, that's a whole topic in itself. <laughs> yeah, so the third one I'm doing is a placeholder for any emerging trend that's the hot topic of the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's a get-out-of-jail-free free card right there. No, no, I really like that. Of course, that's a really hot topic. I do want to go back just very quickly, though, just because I, I'm a small business owner. You know, we've got a couple of small businesses uh, in the marketplace, and over the years, we've experienced from a procurement standpoint the the vast change um, in in how we do business. With we typically every business we work with is larger than us because we you know we're, we're very small. But uh, and we've had to come along uh, a long way. And of course, you know we rely on a lot of you know tools like Microsoft, for instance, and and their uh, suite of tools which gives us a certain level um, in terms of compliance. But uh, you know there's certainly been a, a learning curve for a small business uh, as it relates to um, you know getting up to speed with those uh, all those procurement um, questions that we get asked for for uh, for onboarding and you're right and what you say there as well is is spot on Donna in terms of you know what it what is the risk right so when we get when you get creative we, we do get, get creative with some of our customers as well um, you know what one was you know outside of cyber it was uh, recently um, last year I believe it was we, we were we were talking about uh, going to a site in, um, up in Canada to one of our customers and they required us to have five million dollars worth of vehicle insurance and you know we, we were not even we were driving to their front gate and parking the car 
And then walking onto their site and, and obviously, go, you know, anywhere we went on site, we were driven by them. We didn't, we weren't required to drive. And so anyway, we got creative with that and, and they accepted that and said, okay, as long as you've got insurance to drive to the front gate with your, with your rental car, you know, we're, we're good with that. Right. So, so again, it, yeah. you know, and again, it wasn't, it wasn't about the dollars really. It was just about slowing the process down. Right. In terms of, uh, you know, that additional um, insurance that, uh, that they required. But again, you know, once you have that conversation it's, it's about the partnership right so it's about that conversation and saying look we're not going to be touching pii so you know can we calm down a little bit on the two pages worth yeah. of of legal information uh, and sign our, sign our lives away um so yeah so i but uh, and i appreciate uh, hearing it from your side as well because we, we we obviously work with larger businesses and have the same discussions yeah absolutely it's all about i mean my number one i think soft skill is relationship building that you have to have in this role. And so it's about having those conversations, not only with the small business, but also with the business owner within your organization too, because there are things they can do. They can put a workaround in place. They can come up with other strategies that help reduce the risk to the company as well. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I know we've probably touched on it a little bit here in this, this last uh, you know couple of minutes, but uh, um, how can businesses better prepare themselves for that dreaded procurement process um, <laughs> when, when working with larger well, larger brands? I think we've touched on it slightly, but from your perspective, um, you know, being part of a, a larger organization, what, what can organizations like mine, you know, if, for instance, uh, you know, uh, prepare themselves to come along for for the ride? Well, I think the first thing is, like you just said, is kind of to to take that perception of the dreaded procurement <laughs> process and maybe make it not so dreaded, right? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're always looking at ways to streamline how that procurement process into the risk process works internally, especially. So we cultivate the relationship, like I said, between our own um, supplier risk management team, the procurement team, as well as uh, third-party risk management, who's our governance uh, oversight. And so it's, and, and the supplier. So we're constantly looking at ways to innovate, whether it's through a tool, whether it's through a best practice, whether it's, um, like I said, just having a conversation, we are moving away um, and actually, I'd like to say we've completely moved away from a cookie cutter process where, you know, each risk review follows the exact same track and path. Um, we're finding that, you know, we have to look at risk more holistically. Yep. So it's really like you said, it's about understanding if the vendor or the supplier has, you know, access to PII. And if they don't, then, you know, can we back off certain, you know, controls that we're looking for? Yep. And what could we take in place of that? And also educating the business as well as the supplier and why we ask for what we ask for. Right. Um, if we build a strong relationship, then I feel like the process isn't so dreaded. Um, <laughs> but again, you know, the, the more you can educate, the better the process flows, I think is the takeaway on that yeah 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 and i, I think you know what once uh, uh you know a, a you know a, a new vendor comes i mean uh, certainly those critical vendors understand right you know we're, we're in the fortunate position where we're, we're not that critical we provide training which is important we provide exercises which is important but certainly if the business started to have you know issues then you know they wouldn't be calling upon us which is you know again one of one of the benefits for us but obviously those organizations that have been through it in terms of you know for for other businesses then they should at least uh you know, understand what the what to expect. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on now, shifting completely. Let's uh, you know, let's let's talk about intelligence. I know um, when we started our discussions backwards and forwards for the questions for for the podcast here, um, we were talking about different areas that uh, you've got lots of experience in, um, and I'd love to hear you know your background and, and your thoughts on intelligence and uh, how it plays a critical role really with operational resilience. Yeah, absolutely. I have actually two really, really good thoughts on this. Um, one of them is, you know, we were just talking about third party risk and intelligence actually does play a role in that. Um, we talked a little bit about open sourcing some of the information on fourth parties and nth parties. Mm-hmm. Um, one way was to use a subscription service and other is to use your good old Google search and look up and see if there is any recent mergers and acquisitions. If you can't afford to subscribe to services that do that for you, um, you definitely can do it yourself. Um, So there there are definitely some free tools out there for that. Uh, But moving into resilience, a lot of people always think of intelligence as sort of a, you know, criminal behavior monitoring. (laughs) (laughs) And and, well, that's true to some extent, depending on, you know, the company you're working for. But it's also about who or what is at risk? You know, how do you notify them? Are we still operational? Will this impact our brands and or, or our customers? Are people tweeting or talking about us on social media? Right. Yep. What is our le- what is our level of risk? And you can actually share that with multiple departments to kind of spread the cost of something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at, you know, how do I monitor what people are saying about us? Um, you could take the easy route. If you have a good budget, you can reach out to a bunch of different companies that provide this culling of data because it's a vast amount of data that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And you go that route. Um, Your corporate responsibility, um, in-house, business development, legal, marketing, workplace services, insurance, revenue management, supply management, executive offices, all those departments have a stake in intelligence. So it's not only if you have some level of intelligence gathering or analysis within your company, are you marketing it as part of business resilience or your resilience program? You can also reach out to these other departments to help share the cost and mm. mature your program. I like and that. Build yeah. up with them, yeah. Like a GSOC, a global yeah. security operations center or something like that. Right. Um, And a lot of the tools, like I said, are free. But what do we mean by global intelligence? Well, there's the 24-7 monitoring that we think of when a crisis happens. And Mm -hmm. Rob, you're probably really familiar with this too, right? A hurricane comes in, you can go to NOAA, you can see, you know, the path of the storm. Um, You can actually pull or extract the CAMEL file. I think it's called something else now. I'm probably dating myself a little bit. You can extract that file for free. You can overlay it on top of uh, Google Earth. You can plot your assets on Google Earth mm-hmm. and you can see like the impact zone and it's updated rather frequently. And you can, um, if you have to evacuate employees or evacuate facilities, it gives you some level of intelligence of what's yeah. going on. You can also use it if you have to put boots on the ground and get supplies to a location that's in an evacuated zone. You can see where the road closures are. Yeah, um, that's right. Most recently, if, yeah, that's pretty good. They're pretty good at that. 
out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if they have road closures and you're not able to get in an area, you know, you can, then you have to think of, well, I might have to set my command center over in this location and then figure sure. out like, you know, creative waves around how you're going to get stuff to where it needs to go to. Yeah. So proximity of events to assets, very important. Um, you can assess threats or uh, incidents to determine the severity and the immediate actions needed. Mm-hmm. You can communicate with appropriate internal and external stakeholders. So having this information is very valuable in crafting your communication. And then it helps you inform and activate teams, response teams, if they need to respond to something and take appropriate actions. This could be like activating checklists or plans or anything like that. But I want to talk a little bit about some of the intel sources that you could have access to because intelligence isn't strictly a government, you know, CIA, FBI kind of thing. Right. There are so many organizations out there. One of one of my favorite organizations is OSAC, Overseas yeah, Security Council. Sure. Yeah. Yep. So if your company is not a member of that, it's something to think about. Um, there's USGS when it comes to earthquakes, um, J, JTWC, which has to do with uh, weather, adverse weather on the Atlantic, I'm sorry, on the Pacific side of the world. Uh, NOAA does a great job, um, but JTWC has a little bit more information in that regard. Mm -hmm. This is stuff you find out over time, like what sources have better information than others. There's um, in California, they have a great wildfires website that I was using when I was working for a hospitality company that told me the evacuation zones and which direction the smoke was going and, and different things like that. There's um, third parties that you can pay money to that, you know, help you with travel tracking. So if you have employees or executives that are traveling, you can pinpoint them on a map um, in relationship to your assets, in relationship to threats that are emerging. um, If there's a geopolitical situation or something like that, Um, Stratford is another good uh, service. They provide that one. Yep. 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 Um, Everbridge, which I'm sure you're familiar with, um, good for communications. They also have a global command center, a visual command center um, that is very, very helpful um, to kind of map this all into a common operating picture uh, for individuals. You can pull in a lot of the news sources have free uh, RSS feeds or feeds that can go into some of these um, command center type tools. Mm Um, You can pull in U.S. traffic cameras. So if you have an incident outside one of your assets, there might be a traffic camera in the immediate area and you can pull that up and live feed and see see what's going on. Yeah. yeah, So there's there's a lot of different, um, obviously, you know, tools you can use, but partnerships are always the best. Right. So anytime you can work with a U.S. intelligence agency or you have access to a meteorologist or you just have people um, at your assets in different locations, then, you know, they will get to wear the hat of being sure. the person on the ground there. <laughs> yeah. they, and, and security <laughs> is, is, you know, immediate that comes to mind. Any of your security forces or anything like that, too. Sure. 
Yeah, no, that that's that makes a lot of sense. You provided a ton of tools there. You know, some on the free side and some of those paid services as well. And uh, you know, I guess it's about initially doing an assessment, right? What data do we need, right? What intelligence do we need, uh, and then figuring that out, and then and then going from there. But some uh, some great information there for our listeners. So we appreciate uh, you sharing those with us. Um, again, shifting gears slightly. Um, again, uh, you know, another another area um, that I'm intrigued with, just based on the work that we do. Um, within the world of training and exercising, and that's gamification. Um, you know, I, I know you like gamification as a way to, you know, engage stakeholders. Can you tell us more about how you do that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have three tools of the trade that I use, exercises being one, meaning, you know, anywhere from tabletop to full skill. I also use, uh, or I, I shouldn't say I've used, I'm getting ready to use this concept of a micro simulation, yep. which, you know, for, for those that don't know what that is, it's an immersive sort of bite-sized scenario exercise um, featuring a very quick experience, user experience. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's meant to be about 10 to 15 minutes long. So yep. super short. Um, and then, of course, gamification to drive uh, more complex concepts. Sure. And I, I love to pick uh, BIA as one of those because everybody hears BIA and they instantly get the hair on their <laughs> neck stands up because it means, you know, we want a lot of data from them. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and they don't always have that. And so just walking them through a concept, but doing it in a, a typical element of how a game is played. So using points scoring and competition with others, rules of play. Um, and this helps usually, it's like an online marketing technique that's used. It encourages engagement, especially with your stakeholders who aren't exposed to this on a daily basis. And so sometimes you have a stakeholder who's brand new to the world of business continuity, for example, or third-party risk. Yep. And they have no idea you know, how to come up with a function or what a function is versus a daily task, right? right? And so coming up with um, little game techniques is really important. And I have a book that's sort of the Bible of gamification called Game Storming, a playbook for innovators, rule breakers, and change makers nice. that I use. And I um, there's probably easily over 100 games in there um, that you can play. And they can be as simple as, um, for example, they have this game called The Squid, which is made for a small number of people. And you basically have, it's a chart, it's a charting activity. So you have a topic, a main topic, and then you ask a question that's a very like open-ended question and you come up with answers and you try to like get the answers as small as possible. Mm -hmm. And then you answer another, you ask another question and it kind of stems from there. You also have um, crisis cards. When I w was with a consulting company, crisis cards is an interesting way. If you think of a deck of cards that you can have a crisis on one side of the card and on the back of the card, you have three questions like mm -hmm. the who, what, where, yep. or whatever those three questions might be that you're trying to drive at. Generally, you're targeting one objective mm -hmm. when you do these, not multiple objectives, right. like yep. you have on the tabletop. 
So um, just a couple examples. It This book is fantastic, so I highly recommend it. I didn't write it. I don't know the authors. So <laughs> no problem. We'll share that in the, sh in the show notes. So no, we, we like to share that for sure. So send us that over and we'll add it to the show notes. Yep, absolutely. Uh, well, that's that's great. Um, yeah, no, no I lo we love obviously gamification and um, you know those micro scenarios and micro scenario planning becoming you know very popular as well. Um, you know, e even down to these sixty to ninety second short clips, videos. Um, you know, breaking up the content and and allowing those uh, you know crisis leaders, you know, those responsible for responding or whatever the topic might be, could be you know in a different particular topic within the the realm of resilience. I think those are becoming quite popular. As well, uh, you know, of course, the, the the longer, larger scale exercises are still important because you know the crisis is not going to be over in fifteen minutes, right? Um, yeah, and, and so it's important to build build up to that, uh, and then the training as well. So I love the examples that uh, you've given there in terms of gamification and uh, ensuring that that we've got that uh, ongoing knowledge, you know, feeding through uh, through the enterprise. And I think um, you know what we see and what we've seen in, in recent years is a drop off, be you know, not not just due to COVID, but I think due to the virtual world that we've been living in and getting tired of sitting on these presentations for, you know, several hours a day and we're in meetings yeah. all day. And then, we, you know, we're, we're running a, a, an exercise this week for an organization. And we're going to have you know a large group of people on a number of, uh, you know, a number of calls talking about, you know, scenario planning. And of course, they, they're on they're on calls every day talking about various different things as it relates to their preparedness. So so it can be it can be quite tough. So we, we're still advocating if you can get back together, um, get back together, and, you know, even, even in those small groups. I, I love that uh, idea there uh, those uh, you know those cards you were mentioning but um even if you can get together once a week and come into the office and uh, you know get around the table and, and have those discussions great things happen when we get across the table from each other is that your experience yes absolutely and i had a boss that had a saying he used to say we need to get left of boom you know as much as possible <laughs> so <laughs> left of boom i always thought that was a great a great expression but all too often, and Rob, you probably know this more than anyone, you build out a tabletop and then an, a real life incident happens and all of a sudden they want to shift the tabletop immediately to focus on what just happened. And one of the ways you can do that is through an exercise like gamification or a micro simulation where you can do something very quickly and spin it up super quick. It's not going to give you a, a bunch of detail that you look for when you're doing an exercise, right. but it will help at least prime for that discussion, which I really like. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that, and um, you know, it, it's funny because the one, the one, the scenario we're we're doing this week is is an earthquake scenario. <laughs> and we've been planning it for six weeks, right? Yeah. So, so it's and that's really obviously benefited, you know, the organization really, and obviously brought it into focus, really into focus. When you know that you know it might have been two or three folks who were, you know, um, you know, less engaged, but all of a sudden it's, uh, you know, you know, and, and it's it's really, you know, it's obviously a terrible situation. And I think uh, we had written in thirty thousand deaths in the scenario. It's a different part of the yeah. world altogether. And of course, you know, I read the other day there was twenty eight thousand, the, the the latest number. And that was a few days ago. So, um, so again, you know, it's um, you know, you know, we, we do. We, I was, I think, you know, and I'm going to ask you in a second about exercises, but we'll, we'll move on to it now. What, one quick story, and I think I may have told it before. Um, while you're in the middle of a tabletop, you know, an event can happen, right? And it happened to us when we were running an active shooter exercise for a leadership team, and the exercise got stopped because one of their main officers somewhere else in the country, uh, an employee, had made a threat to go to his car, get a weapon, and come back to the office. Now he never 
came back to the office and they dealt with it but that was during the the exercise as well so uh, so yeah some some uh, in- interesting experiences for sure so let's yeah I'll just I'll, I'll wrap up here because this has been fa- by the way we could go on and, and we could go on for a while Donna and, and let's let's do this again in some other forum uh, for sure but um, as it relates to exercises then um, you know tell us your experiences with exercises how are they you know are they important and uh, you know um, what's, what's your view on them they are vital. Are you kidding me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Exercises are so, so vital. Um, we used to, you know, when we did tabletops in the a long time ago with three acronym government agencies, it was a labor intensive process. Mm-hmm. It would take several people to build an exercise months and months and months of putting this together and then, you know, finding the date and the date was then publicized across the, the organization and everyone had to have mandatory participation, which I thought was great, but you know, you can do that in the government. And um, it's so time consuming. And then if one thing goes wrong or you have to fix something, it impacts the entire yeah. you know thing. And everything was done on paper back then. And now in this digital world and rapidly emerging risk, we've had to become much more agile in our approach and how we how we do these exercises. I would encourage anybody listening, if you are able to participate in a community exercise, do it. Yes. Because um, for planners, we're great about planning for our organization and maybe even our specific family. Um, we have a go kit. We, you know, we told our kids what to do in the event of something happening. But from a community standpoint, do you know what's going to happen when an incident happens, especially in an area that's not used to experiencing incidents? Sure. Do you know where to go? Do you know what to do if they close the highway down Um, and things like that? So that's, that's why I say it's important if you have that opportunity. For organizations, it's absolutely vital. Because like you said, even during an exercise, you can have an incident happen. Yep. Um, we noticed a huge uptick when we were exercising very regularly with the hospitality company I worked with. We noticed an instant like um, muscle memory. The more you practice something, the more it becomes muscle memory and you don't have to then go back and try to read a plan because we used to have plans just sitting on shelves, right? But now if you practice it enough, you don't need the plan. Right. Like you need it because you need to you know, organize it and then practice to it. But for the most part, if you have muscle memory and what you need to do, if somebody were to come into your office and start shooting and you've practiced it and you know, you know, if I pick up the phone, I can't dial 911, I can't dial 9911, it might go to my internal security and not to the police. Right. Like just little things like that or making sure your phone goes on mute immediately. Sure. Um, right. yeah. And that happens if you're hiding or something like that. So that a lot of it's important. It's important from a safety standpoint. It's important from an operational standpoint. Um, it, you know, when we do have incidents, real life incidents that happen, it's important to treat them almost like they're an exercise too after the fact. Yep. So you want to document an after action after a real life incident so that you can always improve. It's continuous development and continuous improvement. 
Yeah, for sure. That remediation plan is is critical. And I was I was just updating a deck for um, Onsolve. We we're presenting with them uh, in a few weeks' time, and uh, you know the last the last yeah. slide has some information about the AAR, about that process at the end, and uh, right at the very bottom is you know create the remediation plan. And I've blown it up and made it as big as I possibly can. And I'm saying, look, this is why we're here. <laughs> There's no point yeah. being here if we don't have a remediation plan. And uh, so that that's spot on. I lo- I just want to go back to the thought. I thought I had when you were talking about you know putting your phone on silent in certain events where you know and I remember back to um, Kenya uh, when the mall shooting happened. Um, I remember yeah. the the, the, um, the the mother and the two children that were hiding under the uh, under the bench there, and she was talking about that experience and you know trying to get the the, the kids to say stay as quiet as as possible. And one I think one fell asleep at one point. She was there that long. Terrible situation. But uh, I was presenting last week in Atlanta. Uh, to um, the RIMS conference uh, down there and the re- regional or the, the, the Atlanta chapter. And um, we were, you know, it was, it was an interactive session. And, uh, you know, I had um, someone came up to me afterwards. Oh, actually, he came up during the session. Um, you know, should we send out a notification now? Because it was a fictitious, um, you know, warehouse that we had and you know, employees were in there yeah. and they were trapped in a room. And anyway, they, um, you know, there was a shooter there and uh, they said, well, should we send? Because then there'll be alerts going off on phones. So that really just reminded me then um, yeah. of that uh, that example that you use there. So, so yeah, listen, again, we could talk about this all day, Donna. I, 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 I you know, <laughs> You know, I love this, and of course, it's your passion as well. And I'm really pleased that we, you know, we got this opportunity here uh, to have this conversation. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I enjoy all your content, so I'm well, a fan. <laughs> well, we, appre- we appreciate that. And any final comments, Donna, and as well, if folks want to get a hold of you, um, how can they do that? So I will give you my contact information, but to get to me directly would be best by email. Yep. Um, so Donna underscore X underscore my last name, speckard at pannymay.com. That's great. And we'll add your LinkedIn um, pr- public profile. So if folks want to get a hold of you that way, if, if you're okay with that as well, that's usually a, a good direction for folks to come and, and check out because I know you're quite active uh, on LinkedIn as well. And we appreciate that. Yep. I love this community and I'm really excited about the influx of new talent and new technology that uh, comes at us almost every day. So Yep, great. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Donna. We really appreciate it, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Okay, that wraps up episode 114 of the PreparedX podcast. If you haven't already, please go to iTunes or wherever else you're listening to the podcast today and rate us. We'd appreciate the feedback. Until next time, have a safe and productive day. Mm-hmm.